Welcome to TalkErie.com's Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast. Every day, we tackle the biggest issues that the Erie, PA region faces. Stay informed and involved as we advance the narrative of Erie. Now, here's Joel Natale. Greg Gagne, he is the uh, Assistant General Manager and Communications Officer with the Erie Seawolves, the voice of the Seawolves on the radio, and uh, and also has been the voice of the Tigers at, at, at different points. Greg, great to have you back on the show here. Oh, uh, you know me, Joel. I just bring the fun every time I can come on. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's exactly Did you, uh, uh, how how long have you been married now? Did you recently get married? Has it been a couple so of years? So it would have been uh, October. Oh, wow. Uh, we, 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 you we had a COVID wedding? We did. So we did something small with just um, my family, her immediate family, and that was it. We're going to do the, the whole shebang this year. Um, so we, we put off the big the big 250-person uh, party. So we had about 20 people. It was nice, and it was nice because it was intimate, and we got to spend time that you know normally on your wedding day I don't think you'd be able to spend with right. uh, with your close family. So it, it all worked out. It wasn't how we drew it up, but we got married, and you know the, it, it was that was the important thing. And you know it's funny because I, I I keep getting the questions like, oh, how's married life? And I say, well, you know what? It's it's engaged life. Pretty much the same thing, although I have a ring on my finger now, and that's it. <laughs> well, and, and again, uh, I you're you have Greek heritage, right? So are, I do. So, so are you planning actually, on a big um, fat Greek wedding? Is the question, you know? So my wife is Catholic, and my family is all Greek Orthodox. So with the small ceremony, what we were able to do is do actually two ceremonies. We did one at the Catholic Church and one at the Greek Church. Um, so it was uh, it was good. So we we got to celebrate both traditions. Quite frankly, if it was left up to me, I would have said, let's just elope and, and go somewhere and do a beach right. wedding. But uh, that wasn't going to fly with my wife. So um, so that was the next best thing. And you got to, you know, you got to do the whole, opa, you know, and do Pretty the much, whole. Pretty much, yes, know. yes. And this year we'll be breaking lots of plates. <laughs> perfect, perfect. All right, so. Yeah, no, our our, uh, our rehearsal our rehearsal party, so all of our guests, so neither of us are, are from Erie, so our, our Erie guest list is pretty limited um, and so most of our people are coming from out of town. And so instead of having a traditional um, rehearsal dinner, we're actually going to have a big party for everybody in the brand new UPMC Park uh, Stadium Club nice. night before. And so we've got the Greek band coming in from Cleveland, and it's going to be a whole big fat Greek mess. I love it. I love that. That's fantastic. Embracing the heritage. All righty. So um, I think last time we checked, uh, you know, construction was going on pretty strongly at UPMC Park. Uh, again, uh, this part of like something like 15 million, 19 million. I can't keep track of the dollars that are being spent to uh, bring that park that started out as a single short A park in 1995 now to basically one of the finest double A parks in in the land. So uh, get us up to date on the construction side of things. Yeah, so construction right now, um, you know, with us not having a game last season, what we were able to do is kind of they were able to not rush a lot of the projects. So it, it took a lot longer than we had anticipated um, getting done. And, you know, there's they're still tidying up odds and ends because now that the weather has broken, it's like, oh, well, you know, we see that this might need tweaked and that may need tweaked, um, you know, the. The stadium, the, the giant uh, nano wall in the stadium club was put in in the middle of winter time, And so now we're seeing what's that operating like uh, when, when the weather is warmer. Uh, so it's little things like that that, you know, we're tweaking as we go along. And 
you know, and, and it's funny, it, it ends up being a lot of stupid things too, where it's like, oh, why did they put that light switch where they did? And so it, it was it was those little things that we're kind of unearthing right now as we recover the ballpark from really an all-out construction zone. And you know, hats off to our, our new operations director, Mike Lockhart. Uh, pretty good success story with him. He was an intern with us, went to work uh, in the Cleveland area, and we brought him back uh, in, in the in the operations role. And he is he has been tasked with recovering this place from 18 months of dirt, grime, and construction, and is doing a fantastic job. And we. Uh, we kicked off our high school baseball series this past week, and uh, and it's really it's it's folks' first time to actually come down here and, and watch a game. Uh, so the beauty of us not having a season until May this year was we were able to really be a good community partner and get all these high schools out here to play games, which otherwise uh, the facility would have been dormant. So uh, it's been a nice little test run for us that we've been able to do this because. You know, with with the entrance moving to Ninth Street as opposed to where it was for the last 25 years, uh, traffic patterns of the ballpark are different, and so we're starting to get a good grasp of when somebody walks in, where they're going, what signage do we need to put up, how do we alert people to where the new team store is, and things like that. So these these games have been a nice little trial run for us uh, in in getting to that end goal of, of hosting our first SeaWolves game on May 11th. Talk about the configuration, because I. Uh, um... Uh, this the regular seating in the box seats and, and in the reserve seating up above has not changed so much. But you've done some things in in like uh, the beer gardens. Am I right? Can you go? Through yeah. All that? So the, the, what I've been telling people is really the only thing that is the same are the actual seats. Uh, everything else has been blown out, gutted, and redone. And that is the bathrooms, the concession stands. Um, the suites, we expanded the suite porches. We added in, so we, we on, uh, on the second floor, what we were able to do is, um, is blow out the area where my radio booth was, the visiting radio booth, and then we had another small hospitality space that was really virtually worthless to us in most games. Uh, and we created a super suite that accommodates up to 50 people. Uh, it's got its own private porch overlooking the seating bowl. Um, in right field, we... Um, we, we did some things up in the beer garden area where we elevated. So, you know, the, the beauty of construction, when they, when they initially built the, the right field picnic and beer garden, the upper tier, you could not watch the game. And so it became a virtually dead space for most of our games um, because we just, you couldn't watch the game from up there. So now with the elevated platform up there, you can actually watch the game, uh, in the party deck boxes, we've added things like swivel seating in there with your nice, comfortable seats. Uh, those boxes now seat 20 as opposed to 10 before. Uh, and then the biggest part of the project was in, in left field where we have the new four-story building. So the stadium entrance now, uh, is, uh, at the foot of ninth street. Uh, and that's where our, our team store is located. Our administrative offices are located. The Otters have their offices and team store on the second floor. And that connects with the concourse of Erie Insurance Arena. Uh, the third floor, and, you know, for anybody who's worked in a stadium or arena, one thing you never have is enough storage. And the third floor is storage for the teams and Erie wow. events. And that might be one of the most exciting things for us because we actually have places to store things as opposed to stuffing it in our offices and in hallways. Uh, and then the fourth floor is the stadium club. And uh, probably the most exciting part of the project is, is the stadium club. Fits 230 people in there. We could use that 365, which is nice because we didn't have an area of the ballpark that we were able to utilize in, you know, once the water gets shut down in the main area of the park. And so this is, enables us to do business meetings, business lunches, 
uh, different catered events. Uh, it's got a full kitchen, a full bar in the, uh, in the stadium club. And so that is something that we're really excited about. And, and it's new for us. And, you know, we're, quite frankly, we're pretty excited because it's the newest hospitality space in the market. Yeah. Um, so I would encourage all of your listeners, if you're looking to book an event anytime over the next year, uh, give us a shout. We'll come down and uh, we'll give you a tour of the facility. Um, it, it's really impressive. And the stadium club has its own porch uh, as well. And there's, I think, 56 nice padded seats on the porch. Um, so if it's game day, if it's non-game day, uh, we really can configure that space in, in a, a myriad of different ways in order to um, to facil- facilitate everyone's needs. So uh, it, it really was one of the big missing pieces of the puzzle. Um, the final the final thing that we're going to do, and that's not going to start until probably October of this year, is uh, you know with all the new minor or major league baseball. Um, directives we needed to really address the locker room space okay. uh and the, and the team clubhouses they just weren't you know they, they wouldn't even qualify as as short season rookie ball locker rooms as they wow. stand today wow um and so that's how out of date those spaces got and so um the, you know the administration and all of our local elected officials fought to get us additional funding for that part of the project and that'll happen uh come this fall and so when 2022 rolls around the players are going to have a brand new space to call home. And it's even things like, you know, eating areas in the clubhouse. We didn't have that previously. Um, and so guys would have to eat at their locker. And that's, you know, you, you don't want to be eating your, your post-game meal in a locker where, you know, the guy next to you is showering uh, and, and you're, you're sitting there trying to eat your post-game meal. So it was, uh, it, it's definitely things like that that needed addressed. And, and you know, quite frankly, uh, you you got to give a lot of credit to, to Tom Wolf and that uh, Josh Shapiro has been been very, very much in tune with this project and has helped us along the way, because if, if it wasn't for them and getting this money, Erie wouldn't have baseball anymore. Mm. And that's and that's the bottom line. It, it, it these upgrades needed to happen in order to preserve this team. And, and now we know that for the next 10 years, we're affiliated with the Detroit Tigers. And uh, and that's a, a very reassuring thing for all of us. And, and uh, the clubhouses are are contained within the arena. Uh, yeah. So right? they uh, so when they when they got uh, single A ball back in '95, what they did was they basically added onto the back of the arena. Uh, and so we're gonna just basically retrofit that space. And in the back of the arena, there is a parking garage that they use for load in and, and load out for shows. And so the new clubhouse will kind of bump into that area and then into the driveway on the field side. So it'll be bigger for both the home and the visiting team. Uh, player lounges and and different things like that that we just didn't have before. Terrific. We're talking to Greg Ganya. He is the uh, uh, general assistant general manager of communications uh, at the Erie Sea Wolves. Uh, go go to that part of it. Yeah, I mean, again, one of the big conversations we've had over the past year and actually two years uh, was this list that came out. Erie was on the list. Uh, it was based on old data. You had told us, you know, uh, as we went months into this thing, that the the um, that the risk of Erie losing its ball team had decreased considerably. But it wasn't. We weren't totally out of the woods. We really didn't find that out just until a couple months ago when the when the rosters came out, right? And the yeah, no, we we you know we felt like we were in a good place um, really throughout the process. We felt we were in a pretty good place, um, especially once we found out that we were going to be able to 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 fund the clubhouse part of the project. Um, but you know what, though, I'll, I'll be honest with you, Joel. We, we you know we we 
we went about this in a, in a positive light, but uh, we, we didn't know until we finally got that call from the Tigers in early December saying, you guys are safe and, and you're going to be our affiliate moving forward. Um, so really there was, it, it was, and there was a lot of work that was done behind the scenes to Absolutely. make this all happen. And, uh, you know, that was the collective sigh of relief once we got that phone call that we were safe. But, you know, it, it, it's it's kind of sad because there were teams that thought they were safe throughout this whole process that found out the day we found out we were keeping our team all along. They thought they were keeping their team and they didn't. And so, you know, some teams had the wool pulled out from under them. And thankfully, we were not one of them. So who in the Eastern League didn't make it? So Trenton was the only one that didn't make it. And that was okay, really a surprise Trenton. to a lot of folks. Um, the Yankees pulled out of there and they are now in Somerset, New Jersey, um, Somerset County. I, I'm not sure what the exact city, but it's the Somerset Patriots. They were an independent team uh, in New Jersey, and that's going to be the new Yankees affiliate. But the rest of the league uh, remained the same. Uh, but Trenton was the one that swapped out. And, and so that Somerset is now a new double A team that will face yeah. this season, right? Yeah. And so what is what is our league called now? What are they calling this? So so right now we're the Northeast the, we're the the Double A Northeast League. Okay. So the Seawolves well, play that's, in the, that's got a lot of heritage feeling to it, you know, when you can well, say the Eastern League was in existence for like 100 years, you know. So the it's funny because the the, the all the previous league names were under the ownership of um of the National Association which no longer exists. Um, and so those were all copywritten by the old regime. And so get this one though. We, we play in the Southwest division of the Northeast double A league. Okay. <laughs> now I will that's say funny. this, that that's not going to be permanent moving forward. So okay. uh, major league baseball throughout this whole process has retained rights to, uh, to some sponsorship elements. And one of those is the league and the division names. So we could end up playing in the, uh, in the Tostitos salsa league as at some say. point moving forward um I, I think that's probably a year or two down the line but it's going to be a major corporate partner that's going to sponsor each league and it, you know, i guess the best way to equate it is like a bowl game you know the sure. the the all-state sugar bowl is mm -hmm. going to be basically what the leagues are going to be in the minor leagues moving forward yeah they might um, as well monetize it you know if it's absolutely yeah oh no that those those days are coming where everything's going to be monetized and you know the the reality is is the cost of of running a, a minor league and a major league baseball team continues to go up and you have to find new and creative ways to uh to make money and it doesn't all come from tickets and sponsorships and merchandise at the local levels. It's you're looking at a lot of corporate partnerships to uh, to help pay the bills at this point because our expenses are going up and there is there is no good way to spin that. And, you know, anybody who owns a small business, you, you hate the word uh, expenses. And, you know, throughout this whole process, we're going to make out better in some areas, but a lot more is going to be going into things like adding additional buses for road trips and you know, if, if certain road trips are over X amount of miles and you don't have an off day, you now have to fly. Um, and so there's a lot of, of, of different elements like that that we're now faced with on the expense side. Um, and so it's uh, it, it's challenging. And right now, you know, after not playing a game for the past 18 months, you, you really have to watch things like cash flow until we can can get this thing rolling this season. We want to talk about fan experience here. And again, opening day at UPMC Park is May 11th. Um, first off, uh, acquiring a ticket. Uh, I, I, tell me tell me about like season tickets right now. Are, do they exist yet? 
So, what a loaded question coming out of a break. You, you couldn't Sorry. give me a softball here? <laughs> this is a softball, yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so uh, here's where we are with ticketing, and it, it, it seemingly changes daily. Um, so, if somebody wants to buy a ticket package, we will take care of them right now. So, give us a call. Go to our website. You can buy a ticket package. You'll get your tickets for seven games. 14 games, whatever the games that you want, we can take care of that right now. Uh, as far as single game tickets go, and this is where it gets a little tricky. So we are at 50% capacity right now. So if you base that on our ballpark capacity, that's probably around 3,500 fans inside UPMC Park per game. Now that comes with a caveat because under the current restrictions, we can go 50% but we have to have six feet mouth to mouth in the seating bowl. So what we're doing is what every baseball team is doing right now with what's called pod seating and fans when single game tickets go on sale. Uh, and that's probably going to be within the next two weeks where what we're only going to do is put tickets on sale for the month of May to start. Okay. And then as we see what these restrictions are going to look like, then you're going to see it open up to June, July, August, and September. But what we don't want to do is sell somebody a pot of tickets for, you know, July, and then the restrictions change. And now we're left with moving seats and not getting a hold of people. So we're playing it safe. And really, I, I have not seen many teams that have not done it this way. We're just going to go with May tickets to start. So the and process so you're going to kind of like, uh, you know, wait to the last minute to see if there's any change in that 50% Correct. and then say, okay, this is the last minute. We're going to go 50%. And so, and then yeah, sell so the blocks. My, my, my guess is what's today, the ninth. Yeah. So I, I, our target date for single game tickets will be April 17th. Don't hold us to that right mm -hmm. now, because again, this is changing daily. Um, so what we have done now, and we're still in the process of doing is we have the entire seating bowl mapped out in pods. And so those pods are two tickets, four tickets, and six tickets. Uh, per Major League Baseball, we can't have a pod larger than six right now. So what we're doing is we're placing all of our season ticket plans, number one, the full seasons. Then you go to your halves, then you go to your quarters, and then you go to your seven-game plans. Um, so somebody who's had a seat for 25 years, that seat might be blocked out for the first month of the season. So we've had to shift people around and move them a row here, a row there, a section here, a section there, just to make sure that at that level of seating, uh, everybody is made whole. Um, and the, the seating chart as we have it tonight, and you know, most people have been understanding, you, you have some customers that say, you know, I'm not gonna buy my tickets until I know more or I get my exact seat. And look, we understand that. We would like them to be flexible and some people just aren't, most people are. Um, and so what we're doing now with those seats is then once we place all the ticket holders, then we'll have a good idea come next week. What do we actually have to sell? So that gets me into the next segment of this. So once the seating bowl is mapped out and we start selling single game tickets, what we're also going to do, because like I said, with the seating bowl, we're probably only sitting and living in the like 11 to 1400 person range, depending on how oh, the pods wow. shake out uh, of the 4,000 available seats in the bowl. So we're going to sell high top tables. We're going to sell tables in the picnic garden. We're going to sell tables in the beer garden. We're going to, we have a new picnic area in left field. We'll sell tables there. So we're going to do everything we can to get to that 50% capacity mark 
uh, it's challenging right now trying to figure all that out. And, you know, part of the process of, of a new ballpark is we are still waiting on furniture to arrive. So if we might have an additional 10 tables by opening day, but we won't know it for a, a week before. So right. it's just, it's a lot of plug and play, wait and see kind of stuff at this point. Uh, but we're going to do everything we can to sell as many tickets as we can. And, you know, for the most part, like I said, fans have been great. And, uh, and, it, and we just ask folks to kind of hang with us and, and wait to see what this is going to look like. Cause we, we don't know, you know, and, and a prime example of that is we had a meeting a, a few weeks ago before governor Wolf announced that um, the most recent lifting of restrictions uh, we were in a situation where if you wanted to buy a beer, you had to buy a meal with your beer. Yes. So we yeah. literally had a meeting one morning about how we can execute that if we have to do that in May. Well, literally four hours later, the press release comes out from Tom Wolf that says, oh, by the way, this ends April 4th. So we literally wasted two hours in our morning and something changed later that day. So that's kind of the world we're living in right now, mm -hmm. uh, where it's just ever changing. Um, and, you know, the, the one thing that's not going to change is the mask mandate. We know that's going to happen. It's going to be hell trying to enforce it. Um, and we're going to rely heavily on our employees and our security to enforce it. But uh, it is it is Major League Baseball mandated. And right now it's Pennsylvania mandated that you must wear a mask at the ballpark. Uh, doesn't matter. You got to wear it unless you're eating or drinking. Ten seconds. Uh, do you anticipate there, there's going to be screening as you enter, you know, taking a temperature or is that not part of the thing? So that is not Major League Baseball is not requiring temperature screenings or vaccine cards or anything like that at this point. It's funny because uh, it, it, it never fails that um, I, I always get people saying, oh, hey, I saw this YouTube clip of you and and, and the and, and your, your day in the life of, of, of Greg Gagne at the ballpark. And I'm like, oh, yes, that was Joel and I way back in the day. He got to spend a day with me. And that, that was, was fun. And, and it never fails that I get that like five times a season where it's, ah, I saw your YouTube video. And I'm like, what? That's incredible. Yeah, that was that was probably the most popular video I ever produced when I was doing behind the scenes. Well, with um, a face like mine, how could it not be the most Exactly, popular? exactly. And again, you're going to be the, you're, you know, the you know, Seawolves are still on the radio, right? And, yes, uh, sir. And, uh, of course, uh, this is an interesting season. I want to talk about this a little bit here because every, you know, because of COVID, uh, Major League Baseball wants everyone to, like, travel less. And, sure. and so these are six-game uh, series from Tuesdays to Sundays, every Monday is off. So I got to, that begs the huge question, you know, after what, 26 years of baseball in Erie PA plus, when is Buck night, Greg Gagne? <laughs> well, I will say that we unfortunately don't have Monday games this season. Correct. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll leave it at that. Okay. Um, okay. We are working on some substitutions of, uh, of what that, uh, you know, that drink special is going to look like um, this season. Um, it, it's tough because, you know, for, for years, Erie was, you know, of the 160 minor league teams, 159 of them wanted to be off on Mondays. And the one that wanted to have games was Erie because of Buck night. Um, and, Look, the reality is, is that nobody else in all of baseball wants Monday home games. Yeah. And so I don't know if they're ever going to come back. Okay. And look, the reality is, is that it, it's it's an offering that you put out there to try and fill the ballpark on a non-peak night. And with the elimination of those games, you have fewer non-peak nights. And so I, th there will be some type of discounted promotion that is very similar to Buck Night. 
Um, and it, it, it's just going to be, it, it's a wait and see right now. We're still putting the finishing uh, layer of, uh, of varnish on what that's going to look like, but no, it's not, it's not going to be $5 buck night. It's uh, we're, we're still going to have a pretty darn good offering. Um, and, you know, one of the things that, um, that I have, cause everybody asks me, you know, well, I, I need my dollar beers. And I said, well, you know, you, you, the, the buying pattern of the fan, and we have the data to support this, is which is why you know we're we're not too worried about what the substitution is going to be. Mm-hmm. But a couple of years ago, we we said you know, yeah, Bucknet is great, but what if we offered a bigger beer for two bucks? Yeah, uh, and that two dollar beer on Bucknet over the last four years has outsold the one dollar beer by a count of five to one. Hundred percent, absolutely. I never thought that I would see the day where that was the data that we got. Um, and so that is, uh, it's pretty telling of, uh, of the fan behaviors that, uh, that we've seen over the past few years. So look, it's not a decision we're going to be taking lightly. Um, and obviously it's, it's one of our most popular promotions every year. Um, but the reality is, is that fewer non-peak nights, we haven't played a game in 18 months. It's going to be a little bit of a different offering, sure. but I think it's, uh, it's all going to work out. Yeah. It's, you know, what's so interesting is that, um, Right now, with the limited seating and all the all the COVID restrictions, the Buck Night is kind of like the absolute wrong thing that you want to do because it pulls everybody out. I mean, on a decent yeah. weather night for Buck Night, it, it is the happy hour. There's 6,000 yeah. people in that stadium, and you just can't handle 6,000 people right now. No, and, and, and that's, that, that is a big part of it. And, you know, quite frankly, I, I think – from a from a buck night service standpoint, it had gotten to a point where it was even tough to operate a buck night just because of the volume of people that were coming through. We only have so many points of sale, even with the new park. We only have so many points of sale, so it, it ended up being that you know you're waiting in concessions lines longer because we couldn't service the customers. And look, it it, it was time to make some changes to that programming. And, and like I said, I think fans are going to be completely satisfied with what we come out with uh, when we release our, our promotions. But Well, I think, too, uh, that pe- just- people uh, people respect and they know that people like Greg Coleman and, and your management team understand the Erie market. And again, yes. the key thing about the Buck Night is that it's so eerie. I mean, yeah. every, Erie just loves – stuff that's cheap and 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 good and so you can get a blue moon for two bucks or it it was ridiculous you know yeah and and look we're going to still have the 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 beer offerings and and like i said i think we're probably living in that two dollar range uh when we when we when it's all said and done but like i said you know we're not worried about it because the data shows that you know it it shows the sales numbers and uh at at the end of the day we're going to put it on a better night of the week and and we're going to go and roll with it and see what happens but what about fireworks too do you anticipate some of the big saturday night fireworks we we will do fireworks now fireworks this year are i believe going to be on fridays and then giveaways will be on saturdays so uh we, we took a lot of fan feedback on uh on the giveaway element and you know, look, we put out some really good giveaways over the years, and the number one complaint we got with giveaway items is, hey, I work on Friday. I can't get down to the ballpark before 6.30, and by the time I get there, a lot of the bobbleheads or whatever it is are gone. So what we're doing is we're moving the fireworks to Friday nights and then the giveaways to Saturday nights, and that will enable the fans to come on down on Saturdays, and they don't have to rush from work just to get here to get their bobblehead or whatever we decide to give away. So, yeah, bobbleheads and giveaways and, and, and fireworks will absolutely be back. 
So it looks like I'm looking at the schedule. We have two Saturday, you know, two uh, good weekends uh, at home in May, uh, in June, um, uh, in July. We have three weekends, including the fourth weekend. We, uh, the fourth of July is a home game against Reading. Yeah, we haven't had a July fourth game at UPMC Park since 2012. Wow. And so we're going to have July 2nd, 3rd, and 4th at home. That should be a huge weekend. And that's why we're all like fingers crossed right now that these restrictions get lifted because we could sell out those games with, with no issue at all. Yeah. I mean, so we'll definitely have fireworks on July 3rd and 4th, uh, probably the 2nd as well. So it'll be just a, we're going to blow it out that weekend. And, you know, I think we're all hoping that by that time, we'll be able to get more people into this facility. And of course, uh, because we're starting late, we're ending late. Normally, we would end right around uh, Labor Day. Uh, the end of the season is not until the 19th of September uh, with uh, the final game uh, at home against Richmond. And so um, that we love cool. it. Yeah. Yeah, we love it. it you know, we, if you would have told us going into, you know, this season, hey, we're going to take your April away, but we're going to give you three weeks in September. It's like, I'll take that every day of the week. Yes. I mean, we all know what it's like now in Erie in September. It's pretty darn nice and comfortable to come mm -hmm. out to a baseball game. Uh, so we're, we're pretty excited that we have the September at home this year. Beautiful. All righty. So uh, let, let's talk about uh, how it, it's looking. And so uh, right now, first off, has the overall Tigers roster, including the minors, shrunk a bit, Greg? Um, I, I honestly, I don't know. Um, okay. we will actually have expanded rosters at the double a level this year. Um, is I'm there another sure double a team or we're the only ones, right? For the tigers. Yes. Yeah. Okay. But we'll have more players on the active roster. So the active roster before was 25. Um, last I heard it was going to be either 27 or 28 active players at this level. I think eight ball is going to be 30 active players. Um, so I don't think the rosters are decreasing overall in the organization because what they'll, while they've eliminated affiliates, they still have their complexes, uh, their complex leagues down in Florida and Arizona. So players who would normally be playing in rookie ball, but might need a little more work. Uh, they're going to send them to that, uh, to the complex league this year. So it won't be fewer players overall. Uh, it's just going to be one fewer affiliate per, per, uh, per organization. Alrighty, so um, who are we looking at uh, uh, that might be starting with the Seawolves? Uh, let's start with the pitchers because that's a, that's I, I mean, Fayetto, I think that's actually. I mean, the, the the pitchers are the one that we don't know right now. Oh, seriously? Um, okay. Yeah, we 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 really don't know what that's going to look like at this point. Um, you know, Alex Fayetto, who you were just about to bring up, he's yeah. actually shut down for the year. He had Tommy John surgery, oh, so he's okay. out. He's out. Uh, Casey Mize is in the major leagues. Tarek Skubal is in the major leagues with them now. Uh, I imagine Matt Manning is going to be in Toledo to start the season. I'd okay. be stunned if we saw Matt back here. Um, so I think pitchers are, are the wild card right now in the organization. Um, you know, they, they have so much young pitching. So I think some guys will end up trickling back to Erie. How long they stay, I don't know. Um, but from a, you know, for the first time, really, gosh, it's probably been 10 years since we've actually been excited about position players coming. Um, but this one kid that they drafted uh, number one, th two or three years ago, Riley Green, outfielder. Uh, he, he's kind of uh, like a Derek Hill in the outfield with how fast he runs and can track down balls and just a pure athlete. And he's starting to hit a little bit. So that's a guy that uh, that the Tigers have already said that he's likely starting here. 
Um, the other big horse is Spencer, Spencer Torkelson. He was their number one pick in last year's draft. They're going to start him in, in high A ball. And I would be stunned if we didn't see him at some point this season. So those are really two of the biggest names to watch that are, are coming through. Are you thinking um, that then, you're going to see some some offense? That was one of the things in 2019. We had these incredible aces and and our, our batting was kind of mediocre. Yeah, yeah I think this year, this year, probably going to be the the best offensive team we've had since i'd say probably 2013 when we had uh tyler collins and some of the guys that can mash on that club yeah uh, i think you're going to see probably a, a similar style of offense to that year and, and really going back to like 2009 with alex avila and those those guys that came through that season i think that's uh that offense was probably nothing we're ever going to see again in erie um but i i think Probably a hybrid of the of the nine, oh nine and the and the thirteen teams are uh, are what we're going to see this season. But a lot of speed. Uh, one of the things that Major League Baseball is trying to do, and they're starting in AAA this year with larger bases in AAA, is they are really trying to focus on more exciting ways uh, for for the for the fans to, to to view the game. So stolen bases are an emphasis. Doubles and triples are an emphasis now. Uh, at AA, they're eliminating the shift. Uh, so you can't overload uh, your guys. So uh, to start the season, all the infielders will have to have at least one foot on the infield dirt. And then uh, the plan is the second half of the season, your shortstop and third baseman have to stay to the left of second and your second baseman and first baseman have to stay to the right of second base. So you can't overload on one side and try and take away hits. So they're, they're looking to, to generate more exciting plays in the game. Uh, we'll see how it works. The minor league baseball is going to be the test circuit for that. Uh, you know, major league baseball is a big collective bargaining coming up at the end of the year. So they want to see what works and what doesn't at the minor league level. Uh, and, and hopefully it'll make the game better uh, all around. What do you, what are you uh, hearing about COVID mitigation for the teams? Like um, we, we, uh, it seemed like we got off to a good start at, in the majors, right? And, and it seemed like uh, we didn't hear a whole lot about COVID during a spring training. So um, does it seem like we've got this under control? Is everybody getting vaccinated? How's that all working? So each, each organization is different from the vaccine standpoint. Um, I had heard the Tigers were getting all their minor leaguers vaccinated, um, but I have not gotten that con confirmed uh, as of today. Uh, the goal would be to have everybody vaccinated by the time they get to the affiliates. Um, and so we're, we're just kind of waiting and seeing how that all shakes out at this point. Uh, I know that the, the major league baseball and the teams are all encouraging guys to get vaccinated. Uh, it's just a matter of, you know, obviously it's personal choice for, for those guys to do. Um, but it, their lives will be a heck of a lot easier if they're vaccinated as opposed to being on lockdown for an, an entire summer. Oh, absolutely. Do you, do you, what, Again, as a sports watcher and a commentator, what what's your take on what Texas did, uh, where they basically let everybody in to uh, to Globe Life Field and and had a game? Oh, I have mixed feelings on it. I, I think you know throughout this whole pandemic, Texas and Florida have been kind of on their own little islands of how they've handled COVID. I, you know, it probably wasn't the most responsible thing to do. Um, but again, that's 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 really not for me to say. Look, I, I love the fact that I could see a full ballpark. Um, you know, that that ballpark is is in its second season and most fans haven't gotten a chance to see it yet because it's such a, a new facility. Um, you know, I, I haven't heard and it's probably still still too soon to to see any data of, of what that uh, if there was transmission from that game. Um, you know, yeah. 
you'd like to think that the Rangers took every precaution that they needed to, to make sure that people were masked. Um, you know, it's a, uh, it's a touchy subject and, you know, we, we, we live in this as, you know, we want to see as many fans in the ballpark as humanly possible. And at the end of the day, if Texas pulled it off and did not have COVID transmission at the ballpark on opening day, then that's a pretty good test case for us to have larger crowds in the minor leagues. So that's where I, I, I kind of fall in this kind of in-between category on that, where it's like, yeah, probably not the most responsible thing to do. And you'd like to think they were talking to the scientists about it. Who knows if they were or they weren't. But if, if we get two weeks post that game and there is no community spread from that ball game, then I think it makes a really compelling case to those in government to say, hey, we can do this. Yeah. And look, and, and no disrespect to restaurants, bars, other venues that aren't used to controlling large crowds. Um, people that work in this industry, in the event industry, we know how to manage that kind of stuff. Sure. And we're going to be on top of it. And, you know, we're, we're going to be and I know it's going to happen because I was watching the Padres and Diamondbacks the other day. And one of the crowd mics on the broadcast was hot. And all you could hear the entire inning was an usher telling all the fans, Hey, put that over your nose, put that over your nose, oh, put that right? over your nose. Hey, make sure that mask is back on after you're done eating. Oh my uh, it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of that this year, but look at the end of the day, I think that's the one compelling thing about, about what we do as an industry. We know how to manage large scale events. And, you know, like I said, no disrespect to the, to the local church who puts on their festival every year that might not have the resources that we have as a as a place that does this regularly. Uh, I, I think that we are pretty responsible in how we manage crowds and manage our fans. Uh, so, I, you know, I, again, I, I hope what comes out of the Texas situation is there were no positive cases that came out of there or very few. And, you know, if the people who were wearing masks did so properly, then it's a really good test case for us to make an argument to, to the Pennsylvania leadership to say, hey, they did this in Texas with 38,000 fans. We just want 5,000 fans and we'll be responsible with it. I just a quick uh, clarification. Uh, as far as in this league here, in this double A Northeastern league, uh, are they, is everybody operating under the same rules as far as fan attendance? Like when you go no. to Akron, if if the Ohio governor says you can open it wide open, it could be a full open Akron Stadium. Technically, yes. Um, now, Major League Baseball still has some restrictions in place, like the barriers around the dugouts and the bullpens and things like that. But yeah, if Ohio says we're X percent, and I think I heard today like New Jersey is fifteen percent capacity um, for outdoor events. And, you know, it, it, it varies. So, you know, we, we might go somewhere where it's a full ballpark and we might go somewhere where there's 500 people in the seats. Uh, it, it's just, it's a mixed bag. And that's what happens when, you know, the States are in charge of, of those limits. And, and look at, at the end of the day, the science hopefully wins out. And if we are able to successfully open these ballparks and can show we can handle this, then, you know, they, they, they should relax some of these restrictions for us. I, I, the one thing I think is not going away and it's from the States and from major league baseball is the masks. Yeah. Uh, you can't go to a major league baseball game without a mask. You're not going to be able to go to a minor league baseball game without a mask. And that's just the world we're living in. We don't like it. Uh, but it, it is what it is. And if we can, if we can be good stewards of the community and help stopping the spread of COVID and educating fans about vaccines and, and things like that, um, then I, I think we're going to be doing a service to the communities that we're all in. Um, and, you know, you would like to think that 
things like masks and vaccines wouldn't be polarizing issues. And I, I, I still scratch my head and, and can't figure out why people dig their heels in on things like that. Um, you know, I, I put it out on, on Twitter after I got my second shot that I've, uh, I've, I've gotten both of my microchips inserted. So the government's going to be, <laughs> the government's going to be pretty disappointed when me they check in on both. me. That government's going to be pretty disappointed when they find out that I'm in the, uh, I, I'm in the, uh, I'll, I'll, the Grand Hotel in Altoona, Pennsylvania. Yes. Not, not a whole lot to see here, folks. <laughs> swarm, swarm. There he yes. is. He's in the press yes, box. There he is. We found him in Altoona, Pennsylvania, <laughs> nestled in the mountains. Oh, my gosh. Okay, La- last uh, question to Greg Gagne from the Seawolves. Give that best shout-out you can for just that rabid fan. Again, they-, they may not be season ticket holders, but they really love the Wolves. What do you suggest that they do to get a hold of you guys? Well, I tell you what, Joel. I mean, look, at the end of the day, we need all the support we can get. We haven't had a game in 18 months, and we are – Look, we are a small business. People may not view us as a small business, but that's what we are. We're, we're a single-owned entity. We have a minority owner in, 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 in Fernando Aguirre. I, I believe he is still the only minority owner of a minor league baseball team. Uh, and, he, and he's put a lot into this facility. He's put a lot into the community. And, and we really need the community support this year. And whether that's, you know, we can sell 500 tickets a game or 1,000 tickets a game, we, we need the community support. And, and I hope that people will respond. And look, our phones have been ringing off the hook every day. And you, you hate when you have to tell a fan, I can't sell you a ticket right now because we're waiting to see what comes next. And that's been very frustrating for us. Uh, as an organization, but so far the support has been great. Um, you know, we we've put out some different tours to uh, to business leaders in the community, and we've gotten a great response of people who want to come and tour the new facility. Um, and and I would also say, you know, if you are a business owner in the Erie market, we have a brand new facility down here at UPMC Park. We might be a perfect fit for your next business lunch, for your next catered event, uh, or you know what, if you're looking to advertise or do some marketing. We have different things that could fit every budget, whether you have $100,000 to spend with us or you have $5,000 to spend with us. We, we are just asking for the community support. And you know, you can give us a call at 814-456-1300 to talk to either a ticket rep or a, or a uh, partnership rep. Uh, all of our information's on seawolves.com. Follow us on social media. We love when we hear from our fans on social. And look, we're going to get to a point where we're going to have everybody back in this place. But we, 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 we really need Erie to step up. We put a lot of work into saving this franchise. And we hope that the community responds in a positive way once we're able to open up those main gates on the, on the 11th. You've been listening to The Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast from TalkErie.com. Subscribe to our show on your favorite podcatcher and get involved by emailing joel at TalkErie.com.